the Own Your Intuitive podcast is for the creatives, spiritual entrepreneurs, and light workers in the world. The shining ones who have been told to dim their light and stop believing in magic. I say screw that. The time to rise is now to bring your gifts out into the world in a big way, creating a business that feeds your soul and your bank account. You are a magical being with the potential to change the world, one human at a time. The time for you to own your intuitive is now. <laughs> so I'll just start with laughing. All right, everybody, this is such a magical conversation. We started it before, and enough of, of a conversation that my current guest is blushing because she knows where this is going. Um, but I am so excited, you guys, to connect you to someone who... When we first met, I could tell she had a lot of light to give, but she just wasn't ready to let the world see all parts of it. And we're going to dig deep and dive deep into the magic of her expansion and her growth and her journey today on today's podcast. I am so honored to have shared in this journey with this guest and to have walked the path with her for over over a year to this beautiful sacred space that now she shines in. So please help me in welcoming Lisa Wedberry, sexual alchemist, to the show today. Just jump right in there with that. Hi. Hi. <laughs> yes. So on in just a little uh, preempt here. I do have to let the listeners know that uh, both our internets have been like, we have so much energy shooting at each other that if it goes a little fuzzy or disconnects briefly, just to be in the space to honor that we literally are shooting energy light balls at each other that are messing up with both our internets uh, because we are just so fired up today. Um, but Lisa, hey friend. Hello. I'm so juiced about today's conversation. And me too. I've been looking forward to it and maybe been a little anxious about it all weekend, which is a very good thing. Right? Because we're only nervous about things that we know are, you know, the things. Mm -hmm. My friend and, and coach Tamara Arnold once told me, um, you know, just do something every day that makes you want to crap your pants. And talking with you right now is pretty much that thing for me. So thanks. <laughs> I'm so glad you said yes to crapping your pants today with me on the show. <laughs> Oh, it's going to be a good one, you guys. Um, Lisa, you know, I know you've listened to a podcast episode or two, so you know my favorite way to start this, and you know my true belief is that what comes out is exactly what the listeners need to hear. There's no right or wrong. It's always the first answer is the right answer. So my dear friend, Lisa, to introduce yourself to everybody who has tuned in today, will you tell us your origin story? <laughs> my origin story you mean the story that probably begins of who dropped me off on this planet and when are you coming back to get me? <laughs> that origin story? Yeah, let's do that origin story. <laughs> let's go there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, it's interesting because I, I live in Oklahoma and um, ever since I was a little kid, I kind of felt like a, a fish out of water in, in a lot of ways. And, you know, sometimes it's that, and I remember thinking as a kid, how did I get here? And wh what is going on? Um, so it's made for kind of a fascinating journey on, on the spiritual front. There's things that I just knew to be true when I was young, like eight years old. And, um, I think a lot of my origin has been, stepping into and finally embracing and welcoming those truths that I knew as a kid, 
into my life now and honoring them, even though they're very different than, you know, the truths of other people around me, which makes, you know, everyone can have their truth and owning okay, that. There's so much backstory that needs to be told here. Okay. So <laughs> we, for those who, because like even as Canadian, I didn't understand what it meant to be Oklahoma, from Oklahoma. So if you can like expand into what it is about Oklahoma that you are kind of saying, like I, I'm spiritual in Oklahoma. Yeah. So Oklahoma, um, beautiful country, beautiful people, um, very conservative both politically and ideologically. Um, a lot of people refer to this as kind of the buckle of the Bible belt of the United States. So We're not just in Christianity here, like tr full Very Christianity. Yeah. And I'm saying that with gratitude. I, I was telling Lisa, I met somebody on the, mar on the way to the market um, on Saturday who was Christian. And I engaged in a lovely conversation because I, I love people who are passionate about you know, religion and religion is passion. So we're not knocking Christianity at all by any means through this. We're just saying, you know, that there is a dominant Christian Bible belt in Oklahoma. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's interesting because my, um, my family of origin, we didn't, we didn't, we weren't churchgoers at all. And so I would go to church with my grandparents and they went to this little tiny country, country Baptist church in their town. And I would come out feeling guilty of sins I'd never heard of, much less committed, you know, as a little kid, I'm like, whoa, what's up with this? But I always knew there was something there for me. And so when I was like in middle school, I started, I just called it church shopping, you know, and like, I just go to church with my friends because that's what we did. And to try to figure out, I know there's something there, but I don't know what it is. And one day I came home and I told my mom, I said, okay, I want to be Catholic. She was like, Catholic, why? I said, I don't know. I'm just fascinated by the tradition. And she's like, okay, whatever you want to do. And then I learned about this whole confession thing and the whole idea that if you want to talk to God, you like go through an intermediary person. I'm like, wait a minute. If I want to talk to God, I just talk to God. You know, it's like direct connection. What I don't get this middleman concept. So it's just a lot of interesting experiences of, of working my way through what I truly believe, even when it might be different than what other people believe. I did go to a Southern Baptist college on a debate scholarship, and that's why I was there. But what I learned there gave me a, a serious crisis of faith just in terms of people being willing and eager to use the Bible as a way of condemning other people. You know, for example, this was in the 90s and um, AIDS, the AIDS epidemic was a big thing in the media at the time. I remember sitting in press class and, and you know, people talking about how AIDS was God's punishment on gay people. And this is when my uncle is dying of complication of AIDS, you know, at a hospital 20 miles away. And I thought, you know, if this is what Christianity is about, I'm out because I, I don't understand. I don't get using the Bible as a way to be hateful to other people. To me, it was a document of love. And it took me a while to kind of come, come back around and, and um, decided I wasn't going to throw the baby out with the bathwater, you know, in this instance, and that there's a difference between the principles and the people who judge based on their interpretation of the principles. So it's, it's been an interesting journey. Well, and I mean, even from when we were talking right before we got on the call, I mean, you were saying right from as long as you've had memory, you knew you came from a different place. Like you knew that you 
were like deposited here. Like you chose your parents, you chose all of that. And then can you just tell me, like you said, by the time you were eight, you were, you were already receiving spiritual messaging. Can you kind of tie that all together? Sure. Sure. You know, I remember back being around eight and, um, there wasn't a doubt in my mind that reincarnation was a thing and that I've had multiple lifetimes, you know, gosh knows how many, but I've had a lot of lifetimes in the past. Um, there was not a doubt in my mind that I chose my parents before I came into this earth. And quite frankly, you know, part of me was like, what the hell was I thinking? My mom's great, but man, my dad, woo, what was I thinking there? <laughs> and, you know, I've come to understand that. And I also remember thinking, you know, I don't know how many people were on the planet at the time, but, you know, now in today's terms, if there are over 7 billion people on the planet, then there's 7 billion paths to God, you know, and, and if we choose to have a relationship with the divine, however we see the divine, it's choosing the path that works for us. And just in my mind, there was never just one path and anyone who doesn't follow this one path is burning in hell. I, I just, that concept so never never stuck with me. I, I just didn't get how people would think that way. And so, you know, some things from a very early age that, um, that I just, I don't know, like intuitively knew. Um, but like how challenging was that to be so aware at such a young age, but yet so constricted by your physical landscape? Yeah. That, um, it was, it was fascinating. You know, I look back especially at my family, my dad, my dad's incredibly intuitive, like prophetic, prophetic, and could predict that things would happen. And I think it freaked him out a bit. So he dealt with that through addiction, you know, pick your addiction. And that's how he dealt with it. Just as I think as a way to numb out the knowing and the feelings, because I have a feeling he's very energetically sensitive too, but had no had no container for how to understand what that meant. Um, and, and as a result, through our own interactions, you know, place is one thing, family, family is another thing. Um, but I remember being, my parents got divorced when I was around eight, you know, around the same time. And um, I remember it was dad's weekend at one point, we were bowling, which family bowling night should be fun, right? And I just remember I, I suck at bowling. I am so bad at bowling. And he kept yelling at me because I wasn't throwing the ball right. And I started crying, you know, and crying was not okay. So you get yelled at for crying. And I remember at that moment saying, these feelings hurt too much. I'm done with this feeling thing. And literally at probably 11, 12 years old, decided to shut off my heart and to kind of live from the neck up from then on, because to me, that was just safer. And it's so interesting to look back and recognize a point in life where I just said, this feelings game is done. And how almost my entire life since then has been my journey back to opening the door to my own heart, because that's the nature of who I am. And in doing that in a place where, um, where who I am and what I believe maybe isn't, isn't at all um, standard and being okay with that. So you went to the Baptist college, right? Mm -hmm. That's what it was called. And so you, you, you have your, um, you know, what did you call it? Uh, a spiritual crisis, if you will. 
Yeah. My roommate was the one Jewish person on campus and I've never seen um, discrimination toward anyone in my life. Like I saw toward the one Jewish person on campus and a Southern Baptist college. It was, it was really fascinating. Um, and she stayed? She stayed. Yeah, she, she stayed. It, it, to me, there was a lot of courage there, uh, you know, and her sharing her, her beliefs as well. Um, which I, I admired the hell out of her for that. I mean, just really admired her. And you her. didn't pick her as a roommate. Like the universe placed you two together. Yeah. yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There was, there was no accident there. There no. was no accident. Um, but yeah, it, it was, um, you know, it was interesting because I did have this little crisis of faith and then I, I came back to Oklahoma after college and, um, I'd been going before I went to college, I'd been going to an Episcopal church in, in my, in my hometown, 10,000 people, you know, in the town itself. So it's, it's small town. And the first two sermons, when I got back, the first one was about, um, how we view women in the Bible. And the second was about our relations with our Jewish friends. <laughs> it was like, both times I was like, oh shit, here we go. <laughs> you know, and I was just kind of preparing for the worst. And in both instances, the priest couldn't have shared more what I needed to hear and, and like more in line with my beliefs if I would have written it myself. I mean, it was like perfect in terms of okay, I don't have to throw the whole thing out. It's not that everyone believes this way. There's a whole, even, sure, Christianity is one part of bigger spirituality, but even in that one part, there's a whole bunch of different ways of looking at Christianity. Yes. And it's all okay. And, you know, as we've talked in <laughs> some of our, in some of our conversations and with some of our friends, you know, I, I, I love to look at like, Jesus is my homeboy. <laughs> you know, now it's yeah, JC, and I wouldn't have been able to necessarily say that while I was still in college because just it, it, it was it was challenging then. Okay, because I'm going to take this from, you know, the stricter religions that you were kind of brought up on to um, you started to receive downloads from other things spiritually, um, shortly after that, wasn't it? Like, I don't know when you met your husband, but I do know that you started to receive messaging when you guys were together. Can you lead into that story a little bit? Yeah, you know, I think a lot of what happened there, um, it had to do, it was probably before my daughter was born. I, I lived and worked in Washington, D.C. For, for about 12 years. and, and In public well, relations, is that right, or something like that? Because we didn't really discuss where you were. Yeah, communication, PR, and politics. Yeah, that was basically it. And, you know, still very much living from the neck up, you know, sort of thing, not on a path, didn't really know there was a path to, to be on necessarily, um, or I just shut down looking for a path. And 9-11 happened, and I worked on Capitol Hill when, you know, the, the planes hit the Twin Towers, and I remember just going, whoa, I need to be doing something different. There's something else that I'm meant to do. And I went into... Um, prayer meditation and which was kind of unusual for me at that particular time but I remember going all right God what is it what is it that I'm supposed to be doing and the message that came through was so clear <laughs> the message was bring another good citizen into the world what <laughs> bring another good citizen into the world and I'm like holy shit because honestly having having a child was not kind of on my radar screen I mean I was really concerned that if I were to raise a child that 
I would be the kind of parent that my dad was. And I didn't want to wish that on anyone. So that just wasn't part of my plan. But I knew that that was the path. I just knew that that was the path. And it's fascinating because, you know, listening to that guidance was the best decision I ever made in my life. My daughter was born and it's like the minute she was born, she ushered in. It was not immaculate conception, everybody. The way that we're talking is like there was not a significant number in this. (laughs) My husband was actually involved in that. Yeah, (laughs) he was game. He was game. Like the practice, I think. I don't know. Um, But yeah, so she was born and she brought this energy into our house that just shifted us both. And after she was born, I mean, seriously, shifted the energy in our life. How old is she now? She's 16 now. Yeah. So that was like 17 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and since then, you know, it's been a really interesting, a really interesting journey since then with both, you know, channeling information, getting, getting downloads during journaling, interesting stuff during dream work. You know, I took a, a trip to Egypt in, I don't know, 2008, something like that. And, um, when my daughter was born, the only way I can explain it is that I felt like my heart blew wide open. So here, this thing that I totally shut down just blew wide open. And I realized I had no idea that the human heart had the capacity for so much love. I just, I didn't know. And then when I went to Egypt, I had another experience at the Sphinx where for whatever reason, you know, the, the paws of the Sphinx come out and there's like the Stella, this big, um, almost like a tablet that has a story written on it in between the paws. And I felt the urge to go put my heart against the Stella. I, I don't know why, but when I did, it felt like a bolt of lightning came down and hit my heart in a really positive way, not in a scary way, but it was like, that was just another experience of my heart just being blown wide open again. And, um, I've done my level best to try to close it back up a billion times since then. <laughs> and I just keep not being allowed to fully do that. And I'm okay with that. So my question for you is like, when you met your husband, we didn't, I, I just kind of, I want to know this story. Like, how did you guys meet? Did you, cause I know that you guys both shared a very similar spirituality in the beginning. And so was, was that something that drew you guys together? No, we, we, um, he, he had grown up in, in the Episcopal church and that was the church where I, you know, that, that I felt the most comfortable in when I was choosing that. Um, so we ended up meeting, we knew each other in high school. Um, we didn't go to the same school, but we were both on debate teams. And so we knew of each other from the high school competitive debate circuit. And then we ended up working for, um, after I came back from college and he came back from, from law school, we ended up working for the same congressman. And that's actually how we reconnected. And then shortly thereafter, moved to Washington. So um, together. Um, and that's, that's how that came about. And, and the spiritual, you know, we did go to church a bit before we got married. It was important to him to be married in the church and the Episcopal church, um, you had to be baptized in the church to be able to be married in the church. So we got started going to church so I could get baptized and, you know, be married in the church. Um, but, you know, as far as being part of a path that brought us together, it really wasn't, it was um, very much after my daughter was born that it was like, it was like our own innate spirituality was, was birthed at that time too. Yeah. And hey, Lisa, 
Yes. Will you tell a story about how you were woken up in bed with a download this one time? Um, there, <laughs> there have been several times. Um, I remember one time. Uh, really want you to talk about the Hathors. Can we just go there? That's what I wanted to do. Let's talk about the Hathors. So the Hathors... Um, love me some Hathors. Hathors are this interdimensional um, race of light beings that hang out predominantly on the planet Venus. And they are all about energy healing and especially using sacred sound for, for healing purposes. They're on different dimension, obviously, in Venus. It's not like we see them there. Um, but a lot of their purpose is to hold space for healing and um enlightenment and ascension on the earth so they are they are very much our friends um hadn't i was not familiar with the hathors i was in a kind of a metaphysical bookstore at one point i was like okay there's something in here for me show me what it is i don't know what it is but show me and this cd was there and it was tom kenyon doing hathor chants like i don't know what this is but i need to get it and that just kind of started my my interest in, in the Hathors. Um, Can I ask how long ago that was? Like, like in terms of, was that? Probably 2005, 2004, five. It was while I still lived in Virginia um, before I moved back to Oklahoma in 2006. So quite a, quite a while ago. Um, after, you know, my path had really kind of started and I was learning a lot more about energy and about, um, especially energy healing um, archetypes and different dimensional, you know, beings and races at the time that was all fascinating to me. So that it all had all started. Um, went to several uh, Tom Kenyon workshops out in the Seattle area where, you know, basically three days of him sharing these sacred sounds. And he's got like this four octave voice range. And when these different beings channel through him, it is so unbelievably powerful. Everything from, you know, Aboriginal, you know, peoples to whales to, you know, archangels and, and ascended masters and kind of everything in between. It's, it's fascinating. Um, but when he talks about the Hathors and he's written a book um, about the Hathors as well, it, it just so much of it sank in and, and was meaningful to me. And while I was in Egypt, you know, with the goddess that I'm most closely connected with in Egypt during that trip was the goddess Hathor, who, you know, it's more than just namesake, right? <laughs> I mean, there was, who was, you know, the goddess of love and fertility and, you know, sacred sound and, and all of this. So it all just kind of, kind of went together and um, and they would come talk to me for a while in, you know, in the middle of the night. And uh, I would wake up and grab my journal and, and journal out what was what was going on. But um, got a lot of inf interesting information in, in that way. And they'll still come every once in a while and, and, you know, speak to me through my journaling. So when did you start actually going to like, because you... You've done a lot of going to different workshops, right? And to travel to sacred sites and to doing all those kinds of things, right? Like, can you run me through curiosity wise, like the different people that you've kind of followed and kind of aligned with and what drew you to each of those, you know, sacred journeys that you went on individually? Sure. I think it, for me, it really started, um, I, 
again, what it is about bookstores, I don't know, but it really kind of started with me. I was driving down the road in Virginia, got the intuitive nudge, pull into this back when Borders books still existed, pull into this Borders. I'm like, why am I here? I don't know why I'm here. So I pull in and I remember saying to the murderers, I'm like, look, you got to show me why I'm here because I don't, I don't get it. And I turned this corner and there was a, um, a display of Carolyn Mace books, including one called Sacred Contracts. I'd never heard of her. I'd never heard of the book, but I knew without a doubt that book was the reason I was there. So, you know, I picked up the book and it was fascinating to me because having not been willing to go into the heart space yet, it fed my mind so nicely, you know, in terms of looking at astrological symbols and chakras and um, just all these different elements that my, my brain could wrap around and where I could see different connections. And in the back of the book, you know, I was doing my little find your archetypes, you know, your predominant 12 archetypes thing. And in the back of the book, there was um, encouragement to connect with an archetypal counselor in my area. So I found this woman by the name of um, uh, Mary Anderson and went to visit her. And I just honestly thought it was, hey, let's talk about archetypes. And I get there and it was very much an intuitive thing. You know, I get there and she goes, she says, um, your daughter's here and she won't stop moving. Can I have a conversation with her? I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? My daughter's at a babysitter 20 minutes away. She was like, no, her energy, her energy is here. And this was all new to me. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? But hey, you do you. <laughs> okay. Um, but she has this whole, and she was describing my daughter to a T and her mannerisms and spinning and twirling and the whole thing. And it boils down to my daughter had a message for her about one of her client's children. Who oh, was, wow. Yeah. And she kept telling her she has a problem with her yellow, which was meaning the third chakra. Yeah. And she has a problem with her yellow, get her a, you know, a yellow crystal. It will help her. But the problems with her yellow, just let her mommy know that. And I didn't know anything about chakras really at the time. I'm like, what? You know? And it's interesting because I reconnected with, um, with her years later. And she said, I just wanted to let you know that the encouragement to get the child a yellow crystal totally helped. That's exactly what she needed. And um, so, and that's kind of what led me to light grids as well, because my daughter would talk about talking with other kids through the spider webs. That's what she called it. It was like these spider webs that were almost like information highways for these kids who were still connected to the light and still connected spiritually to each other. And um, so like the first time I ever went to um, Quantum Touch, which is a, a form of, of energy healing, the first time I ever went to one of those workshops to learn how to you know, integrate energy healing my husband was giving my daughter a bath and she starts talking about seeing mommy in the spider webs that apparently when I was connecting in with, you know, the energetic healing potential that's out there that gave her the chance to also see me in the spider webs. And which is, you know, she didn't know what light grids were, but spider webs was a concept that at three, she got two, two, she would have been two at the time. Um, so it, it's, it's just been really interesting. From there, I worked with a woman by the name of um, Maureen St. Germain. She taught me about the Merkaba. Hold on. You're going to have to repeat that because we had a little frozen moment. 
we have a glitch. So uh, a woman by the name of Maureen St. Germain. And that's where I learned like the Merkaba meditation, learned more about the Hathors. I was drawn to her because she taught about the Hathors and about the Merkaba meditation. And so... So you um, went from, from the Carolyn Mice to the Mercada meditation. Yeah. And Maureen, um, that's where I first learned of light grids called that. And she led the first trip or the only trip I've taken so far to Egypt. And so it was very much a spiritual exploration of Egypt. And then I also went with her later to, to Peru um, to explore, you know, the spiritual traditions and, and opportunities there as well. Um, and then worked with Tom Kenyon and, um, you know, there have been others in between, but now you, yay. And, you know. Well, let's put my name in those. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> and like Catherine Greenfield, I'm learning so much from, from her right now as well. And yes. you know, it's just been um, such a beautiful exploration of, of getting to learn more and also, I think just as importantly, getting to connect with beautifully souled hearted, like-minded, like-hearted people to enjoy and share the journey with. And to me, that has been so important, especially being in a place where I don't feel as many people around me physically that are maybe on the same path. And so being able to connect with others through programs like yours, through, you know, these sacred journeys has been, has just been such a gift um, to be able to grow. Well, I just want to come back to the fact that like you have been on this, you, you, you picked up like uh, sacred contracts, what, 14 years ago? It probably would have been 14, 15 years ago, 2003, 2004, somewhere like that. Oh, there was another gal. Oh, very first one. Yes. When my daughter was born, I was seeing her about 45 minutes a day because I was still working on Capitol Hill. And I thought, yeah, that's not why I became a mom. So I stopped, started my business, went to this women's business leadership thing, training. And I met this gal in the bathroom who had this program called the Balanced Living Institute. And I was like, ooh, Balanced Living. I need me some of that. She was like, I talked to angels. Why don't you come learn? Let's talk more about energy. Come learn about your angels kind of thing. And I kid you not, the whole reason I said yes was because it was going to give me a night out of the house without having to be in charge of the kid. It was like mommy free pass to just get out of the house. And so I went to this, to this evening workshop and, uh, I remember the first thing she had us do, she said, rub your hands together and do you feel the energy? And so it literally was a feeling of energy between the hands. And at that moment, the only thing I could think was, I have just tangibly touched God. I mean, it was like there was something about feeling the energy that made me go, this is my first tangible. And when I say tangible, I mean, just literally feeling it to me that that was God. And I really think a lot of it started there. I had, I had forgotten about that. Yeah. So I know that you, so you, this is my, my kind of like synopsis here so far and you can like totally like rant, rant it if it's wrong, but like, <laughs> so like you were, kind of like a spiritual, by the time you were eight, you knew there were greater things, but you were kind of contained down due to familiar and situational stuff of where you were living. So you kind of shut it down. 
right? And then when your daughter was born, you reopened it, right? Blown right open. You followed the spiritual path. You took a spiritual journey. You opened yourself wide open. Now, I know that when I met you, you were closed again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? So can you kind of tell me what happened to bring you to that level? Because by this, like, by this conversation, it's like, oh my goodness, like, I feel how connected you were to all the things. So what shut you off mm-hmm. at that time? Um, you know, it was a fascinating, fascinating journey. And the journey at the time was very much a, a complimentary journey along a similar path with my husband at the time. And um, I very much felt like, and, and this was error in my thinking, and I get that now, but at the time, I very much felt like somehow my spiritual growth and connection and path was linked to him. And that even though our marriage was not in good shape at all, I'm sticking it out for the kid. And because I felt like that was the path for the spiritual understanding. And so when our marriage ended, you know, there was a whole lot of stuff that went along with that, that I won't get into, but ultimately it led to me hiding under a rock, basically, you know, to, to like shutting down all of this to any kind of external view, um, which has given me the opportunity to recreate or to open back up in a way that I know is based on me and not based on anyone else, you know. You didn't open up while you were with your second husband, did you? No, no. Um, Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's when... We were working together during part of that, so yes. Yeah. And so, you know, a willingness to get back on the path, a willingness to feel more secure that I could get back on the path and be protected in doing that. Even at the time, I felt like my protection was coming from something outside of me, you know, like he was my protection or something. Um, And I finally had to get to the realization that that wasn't it either, you know, that, that all of this is me and my relationship with the divine and my relationship, especially with super badass protective goddesses that I love to call in and just feel their power and energy, you know, course around me and through me. Love that. Um, But that my connection was my connection and it wasn't an ex-husband's. It wasn't a current husband's. It wasn't even a mentor's. It was, it, it needed to be mine. And it took me a while to get to that place and uh, to recognize that that was true. To recognize that. And I mean, like, I just want to talk a second that like the journey back into self is not necessarily like a skip down a, you know, tropical path and beautiful sunlight, you know, with a pina colada waiting at the end. There is like, there are things, there's like a jungle cougar that comes at you. And then there's like brush that you have to get a machete and you have to like cut through. And like, there's a whole lot of stuff. To, to break through. And we had this conversation because you had said at the beginning, right before we got on too, you were like, you know, finally I'm here. Finally I'm doing what I meant to. Finally I'm doing. And I, and I was like, no, we can't say like it like that because the journey had to go exactly the way it needed to go in order for you to get to this destination. Yeah. There's something to be said about going through life. You know, life is so cool about throwing bullshit our way. And we then get to decide, does the bullshit bury us or is it the fertilizer in which we bloom? 
And finally, just coming to the realization that the shit's going to be there, you know, and, and, and it's all about how we deal with it. And so choosing to go to get curious about the BS, let's just get, let me, I'm going to get curious and figure out how this can become fertilizer for blooming instead of suffocation. So talking about like spiritual reclamation, which you have done an exceptional job at in the last year and a half, right? Like the reclamation of self, the reclamation of divine connection, of understanding, of listening, of taking action on the receive, all those kinds of things. Can we talk about something really powerful? Okay. The reclamation of sexual energy. (laughs) There's that. Yes. Yes. And the blushing starts again. Yes. (laughs) Which people can watch on the YouTube channel because it'll be live video. Uh, yes. Um, you know, that's, that's an area that, um, when we first, when I, and I mentioned this before, our very first conversation, the reason I knew without a doubt that I needed to work with you, um, and our very first, I finally actually responded back after a couple of missed attempts to, for the free energy heal air reading, <laughs> let me read your chakras. No. Okay. You know, but I had always thought that my problem, my challenge, my block was in my throat chakra. It was the fifth chakra issue. And there were a lot of reasons that I felt that way. And when you jumped into my energy, you're like, oh yeah, but it doesn't stem from there. It doesn't start there. I'm like, what do you mean? Where's it start up? I'm like, oh, it's a second chakra thing. And I knew without a single doubt that you were absolutely right. And I didn't have any idea what to do with that. I, I'm just like, yes, and, you know, and so join the Chakra Business Academy and then the Magical Mastermind, Avalon, you know, and, and through the course of learning more, what does the sacral chakra mean? You know, what, how is that connected to everything else in my life? My willingness to be seen, my willingness to be creative, to allow that creativity to be born into the world through my throat chakra, my willingness to allow prosperity and abundance to flow to me to actually receive, you know, and the whole idea of the womb, you know, for receiving and and growing all of that um, has just taken this whole other journey. Now, what's fascinating is that it's all connected to past life stuff that I've remembered that this is not a, a journey. This is not my first rodeo on the sacral chakra journey, you know, in the sexual energy journey. And, to become aware of how learning about using sexual energy as a tool for um, spiritual growth and expansion and even ascension. Um, I've been doing this for lifetimes and sharing and teaching this for lifetimes. And that's my purpose in this lifetime. And there was all this BS that had, you know, built up and had suffocated that completely out of me until I decided to shift my thinking and see it as fertilizer instead. And that's a whole heck of a lot of fertilizer. <laughs> so now I'm listening who are like you say, like sexual energy is like the catalyst for all of this. Can you define what sexual energy is in the mean and in the way that you are describing it and how you work with people with it? Sure. Sexual energy, really that, that latent, you know, different traditions might call it different things. Some people call it like Kundalini energy, for example. Um, but that, that energy that, that, lays at rest, you know, in between our root and our, and our sacral chakras, just waiting to be activated. 
And we have the opportunity, especially when engaging in sexual activity, either solo or with a friend, right, with a partner, we have an opportunity to to activate that and to intentionally move it through our bodies in a way that can be incredibly amplifying to all of the other energy in our bodies that can help clear out, blow out the cobs and all the other chakras, help them to hold more light. When I was first told about that, you know, encouraged by my guides to go down this path, I'm like, what on earth are you talking about? And they said, basically think of it as like rewiring your system. You know, and when you think electrical wiring, they were like, it's like going from 110 to 220 throughout your entire system. I'm like, really? So really the opportunity to hold that much more light and that much higher of a frequency of energy. Okay, let's explore that, you know, and, and the idea of not only exploring it for myself, but then having the chance to help guide others into how they can, can use their own energy, you know, and, and, and amplify their own energy sexually as well. Um, now, does you know, this help with people who potentially have had trauma and sexual trauma, those kinds of things? Because like if somebody's listening, they're like, oh, that's fine and dandy, but I don't even want to go near my own private parts, and nor do I want anyone else going in and, you know what I mean? And, and we have subconsciously the capacity to repel people from even, like, we're, like I just talked about on Tuesday about mirroring. Like it'll come out tomorrow, which is Tuesday, it's Monday today, um, on that, like sending out that vibration where they don't even know that they're actually putting out a vibration that says, listen, I'm not touchable. We can call all sorts of things to ourselves, yeast infections, you know, bladder infections, you know, yeah. things that happen down there to prevent intimacy, right? Like, so we're talking about an energy that was activated through the awareness of reclaiming that part of ourselves. Right. Absolutely. And, and I think it's incredibly important, especially for people who have had trauma that have, have had power forced on them that they did not desire um, to reclaim that power back. You know, when we started out the conversation talking about religious traditions and so much of religion especially has worked to shut women in particular off from our sexual power and from our place of being able to be empowered from a sexual energy perspective. And there's so much guilt and shame and constraining beliefs and trauma that needs to be healed around that for us to fully embrace our sexual energy again. Um, you know, in the workshops that I teach, that, that's actually where we start. We start with the whole idea of working through first, second, and third chakras and really looking at what is there that needs to be acknowledged, released, and healed so that we can, with joy, reclaim our sexual energy in a way that can be empowering for our entire system rather than just completely shutting it down and shutting off our, our relationship with our own sexual energy. Can you describe what it was like to activate that for the first time, Lisa? <laughs> um, it was cool. Uh, <laughs> best homework ever, right? There, there are some spiritual traditions that do not believe in orgasm, right? I mean, some of the tantric traditions believe you hold, you hold this 
you hold that energy because if you actually have an orgasm, like the energy is lost or whatever. And I've been, and, and that's cool for some people. And if that works for them, that's great. That's not what works for me. Um, and it's not what I teach, but the idea of using, of, of directing the energy and, and help, help helping bring the flow of energy up through all the shockers and actually thinking of it in that way and then actually allowing the orgasm to happen in a way that that then amplifies that much more all of the energy and all of the chakras and and throughout um it it just it just takes the big o to a whole new level um and i'm asking questions that are really personal so the first time you activated that was that alone or with someone alone yeah alone and and i have found this is for me personally I think I told you about the time I got locked in my office and my guide said, sit down and hush. You need to meditate because we've got stuff to say. And this was the first time that they said, we need you to teach this. And maybe not the first time, but the first time I really heard it. And I was going through trouble in my marriage. And I'm like, you know, I mean, we were on the verge of separating the first time. I'm like, come on, your timing sucks. It's, you know, right. Ah. And they said, you've always been a do-it-yourself kind of girl. This is going to be no different. <laughs> like, okay, blushing again. I'm like, all right. For me personally, what I've found is that understanding how to work the energy solo first um, is helpful. Once you add a partner, it just adds these other layers of, of complexity that when both people are in alignment and kind of on the same page, that complexity can be beautiful and like amplify it whoo, that much more. Um, but understanding how to move the energy solo first, I, I think is really important. So yeah, for me, it was solo. It was solo. So, cause I think this is an important thing to talk about because I think this is, there's those that are, you know, thinking about launching businesses and thinking about like stepping into what it is, their stardust, their, their light, their passion, their mission. You downloaded that you, you know, your spiritual team sat you down and they were like, Lisa Wade Berry, Do it. you are on this planet to heal sexual itch to to like light the path of sexual energy to be the divine feminine reincarnate in this human existence like and you said yes i hear you i know that to be my truth i can feel that in all levels of my cellular system from the minute you downloaded that to you owning that part of you what would you say with the time span there and like what did you go through to get to that place um so really knew it was the path probably last October. Drug my feet, resisted, resisted. Oh my God, no. All the reasons why the no. Oh my God, no. No, not here. I'm like, you realize I'm in Oklahoma and my guides are like, you think people in Oklahoma don't think about sex? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, there's that, you know. But total resistance, complete resistance kept working through it, kept doing my own sacral work. I mean, just really working that the, there's so much blockages there and so much crap that I held beliefs and shame and guilt and just, just the junk, you know, that I needed to, to work through and, and remove and heal for myself. Honestly, the, um, I did, you know, I have taught around this, this topic and, it was one of those clarity comes with action. Thank you for teaching me that, Tamara. <laughs> you know, take the steps, clarity will come. And that was true. But honestly, as far as fully embracing, truly embracing it, 
It has been within the past week. And literally this morning in my journaling, even more information is coming about that is explaining to me why this is my path, why, what the ancient connections are, what I'm here to do. So it's, it's an unfolding and evolving process um, that apparently will involve and does involve um, my own energetic initiation, but then the opportunity to share that energetic initiation or attunement, however you want to look at it, with others through the process of, of workshops and, and the course that I'm teaching as well. And I think that's so powerful. But like even like sidebar is like even I just regain like gained clarity on what it is that I'm doing. And I've been doing this for years, right? Like the, the, it is the process. It's the journey. No entrepreneur ever has it fully figured out. We are always evolving and shifting and changing based on the messages we're receiving, which I think is really like you have done that well. And I want to like call you out on that. Like, I just think that you, the way that you you talk with ease about receiving like, Oh yeah, my, you know, they told me to pull over and to go into a bookstore. They tell me, and you just listen, right? Like I want to honor the gift that you have and it is really profound and special. And, and I'm just saying for those that are listening, even for me, like I'm changing the name of the chakra business Academy. I'm rebranding the whole thing to the energy funnel. And that was a really uncomfortable thing to go through, right? To get, to that place of but that's how I'm known and that's what the name is and that's what you told me in the first place and now you want me to like shift it and not like you know what I mean and then with that shift comes the work mm-hmm. right it's all about our own work so I think that you even taking because you've already ran workshops about this and it's through those workshops that the expansion and the growth into where it's now going is going to be what's the name of the program now do you know you know I still need to give it a name I, when I, the, the workshops before stupid an introduction to sexual alchemy, which people are like, what the hell is sexual alchemy? What's, what does alchemy even mean? So I need to come up with a better name. Um, but yeah, yeah. I still think you're a sexual alchemist. Sexual alchemist, I like that. I like that. Energy alchemist, sexual alchemist. Um, yeah, and in and, and saying that, it's not about actually engaging in sex with other people, right? I mean, it's just about, it's just about the energy, folks. It's just about the energy. And, but why it matters and, and it has mattered. You know, when I, I think that's one of the reasons I was so fascinated with ancient Egypt because ancient traditions understood the power of the sexual energy to bring about enlightenment, to bring about higher spiritual states. And even, um, oh, I can't remember the exact name of it, but like the staff with the wings and the two snakes intertwined going Mm -hmm. up at the stand for like medical things, caduceus, something like that. Um, that was an ancient symbol, but those snakes actually represented the coiled kundalini sexual energy that sits at our base, you know, between our root and our sacral chakra. And they understood that then and worked with those energies. And it's like when, when the energies made their way all the way up to the crown, that's when in ancient Egypt, they would wear like the headdress that had the serpent head on the top to indicate that their, their coiled snake made it all the way to the crown. That was a sign of spiritual achievement. And we have so censored that out of our culture in so many ways and to our disempowerment, to our disempowerment. And I think the time is right to regain that power, to to understand those hidden truths again, to understand the truth of our own. A lot of people have a problem with the word power, especially as it, as it 
relates to, to, you know, sexual power, because so often in our culture, sexual power is used over people, you know, in a, in a traumatic sort of way. And that isn't it at all. It's not about using power over people. It's about owning and embracing our own energetic power to lead an even more energized, enlightened, you know, vibrant, effective life. That's what it's about. And if it can benefit our relationships in the meantime, and if it can create an even more beautifully explosive interaction with our partner, then awesome, you know, fantastic. And there's just so much there that has intention that we've intentionally been shut off from. And I think that part of that is just a way of keeping us small. And the time has... Well, I, and I think of all the people that are not even, like I said, who are disconnected from that part of themselves fully and completely, who, you know what I mean, turn it off due to the fact that there's discomfort there. And like the, the fact that even the way you talk, I just love, I love you when you're in your full light and passion. Like it is just like, it's so magical to hear and to see and to be in the vibration of Lisa. And like for you to be able to now own the fact that you are here to help them heal that part of themselves and let go of that and which isn't them. So to amplify, you know, they're just their internal being, their, their internal light to, to, to stand in that ownership. It's just so beautiful. I'm so grateful to you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Because you know, like, I had the opportunity to join you in Tulum last year and that's when kind of my we were talking about mission statements, I think, you know, our, our personal mission statement or something along those lines. And I remember the one that came for me was to amplify and connect love, light and healing in, on and beyond the planet. And everything that I do with sexual alchemy fits into exactly that because it's not just the physical body experience with sexual energy, but for me, it's also grounding into the earth and actually connecting up into the light grids as well to where that energy is not just benefiting the individual, but it then becomes of service to the planet and to. So now I'm going to take it to another level when we were in Tulum and you were there to activate a light grid in, you know, by one of the pyramids. But yet I think that even doing sexual alchemy, you're actually activating the human as to being, part of the light grid on a bigger scale is what I hear you saying. Bingo. Yeah. Boom. Like if I could mic drop this for a moment, cause I really haven't talked to you in a while. And I'm like, wow, we have evolved the light grid activation to something even bigger, like and, and more powerful, more profound. Woo-hoo. So with all of this, you know, um, a while back I was doing an energy reading and one of the concepts that came to me was this idea of this different way of looking at the Holy Trinity. And that included sacred sound, sacred color, and sacred geometry. And I'm like, whoa, cool. Okay, how do I integrate all that? All of that's coming, coming <laughs> to be integrated <laughs> to the sexual alchemy, <laughs> into the sexual alchemy conversation too. And um, so when it got to a point that the conversation about sexual alchemy was about more than just personal development and personal growth, but it also had a planetary and almost a cosmic um, contribution element to it as well that every person who decides, chooses to be on the path can contribute to. That's when I got really juiced up about it and uh, decided, 
okay, I, I'm in, you know, um, for me, I feel drawn to how can I contribute to something bigger than myself? And as long as it was just sexual alchemy for the human, you know, the one human, yeah, that's cool and all, but isn't there more? And then when I was shown that there is more and that we have an opportunity to give back to the earth and to, to the grids as well, um, and to the quotient of light on this planet, I'm like, okay, I'm in. It was so funny because I did uh, breath work yesterday for the first time and during some, because I was opening up that area, that exact area between the sacral and the root. Like that was why I went. That was what I was there to do. Like that was my work. And I ended up humming on my exhales, a humming, a vibration down there. And so like, I can totally understand what you're saying to the sacred, you know, sound, sacred geometry and sacred color combination. I have a question for you. Are you still looking at putting together another Egypt trip? I am. I am. Yeah, originally I was looking at November and if there was a lot of, if there was, my life has been a little unusual the past, you know, couple months, but um, I'm definitely going to put one together and probably it'll be next March. So I'm probably going to need to move it from, from November until March, but likely next March is what I'm looking at. And the whole deal with that, I'm so excited. And now I see other parts of it, but it's the idea of um, the sacred journey up the Nile. And in ancient Egypt tradition, the Nile River and the temples that were on the Nile actually corresponded with, with the chakras. And so an opportunity as we sail, literally sail up the Nile River, stopping at the different temples, learning about understanding their connections with those particular chakras, working with the deities there as well, clearing and amplifying our own chakras. And then apparently there's sexual energy component with it as well. And well, so I know that I'm in for that. Just count me in hundred okay. percent to that trip to Egypt because I've ever since you mentioned it, I knew I was going, I told you that when we were in Tulum, um, when you do have the link, I will add it to this podcast for there to be a way for people to connect with you. Um, if you are interested in that automatically, you guys, um, send Lisa an email or a message. We'll put her information in the show notes as well, but I do need to know this because I know this is going to be a hard question for you, Lisa. I know with every ounce of my being, this is going to be a challenging question. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to restrict you. I'm going to restrict you to one. And I want you to tap in and tell me the one book that had the most impactful difference in your life right here, right now, just one. Okay. So the one that comes up immediately is The Alchemist. The Alchemist. The Alchemist. Yeah. The first time I read that, um, it stirred something inside of me and it's the one book I'll go back to over and over again, you know, almost. Well, isn't it funny that it ends in Egypt too? Like it's an, it, like, I see a lot of symbolism happening here. There's a pyramids thing. There's the whole search thing. There's, yeah, there's the whole alchemy thing. There's, that's, that's the one that when I, when I read it, I was like, oh, and I, I felt a stirring. There've been so many books that have been well, I know, because I know how many much you read. So I was like, Ooh, we're going to like, this yeah. might be challenging. But in terms of like this new, pro is this a new program that you put together? You're just like, is this going to go with, along with your second book? Because she's a two-time author, friends. Yeah, working on the second book right now, which is called Courageous Co-Creation. And, um, and it's all about being willing to actually co-create life with the divine. And um, so sexual alchemy is, is a small component of that. that that's what I am co-creating right now that, you know, I'll reference in the book. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a new separate program um, and it will have its own book in the future. I am certain. <laughs> I know. Because once you write one, you 
just can't stop. I'm like just finishing up the third one and I'm like, I'm going to recover for a day and then maybe I'll think about my fourth. It's like, I can't stop. But in terms of like, if they're going to reach out to you, if they like clearly have like felt everything that you said to the core of their being, kind of like when we talked in, in I said, say girl, and you knew, they know, they know you're the one to travel this path with and to, you know, realign and realight and, and reclaim their sexual power. Where would they contact you? How do they get a hold of you? Yeah, probably Best bet might be on, on Facebook, just at Lisa Wayberry on Facebook. Um, email Lisa at Empower Change. That's, that's my business, just EmpowerChange.com. Um, and I do have a, a website that is in desperate need of redoing, at, but LisaWayberry.com. Yeah, so those oh, are all Amazing. I think and love you so much. You know that. Like, I freaking could, if I, I could just lose my heart chakra and like wrap you up and be like, I love you. That's how I feel. I love you, man. I love you, man. <laughs> I'm so glad that you came and shared your light, your stardust, and your magic with everybody today. So cool. I love you. I've enjoyed it very much. And thanks for pushing me. You have been such a difference maker in my life. And I just want you to know how genuinely I appreciate the fact that you stand in your stardust and serve as a beacon for the rest of us to recognize our own stardust and to finally find the courage to step into it as well. I think you, you, are, you serve such a tremendous role on the planet and, and that is such a great service and contribution. And I just wanna thank you from the depths of my heart for helping pull the light out of the rest of us in a bigger, more badass way as well. It matters. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. That means the world to me. It does because, you know, from a, from the stand, from the point of light, like the point of from a light worker is we just shine, right? We just shine. And sometimes we forget that it has impact and it, you know, creates change and it shifts lives. And so I receive that with the greatest love and gratitude. And honestly, I needed to hear that today. So <laughs> you fan the flames to help other people's light shine even brighter. And that matters. It matters. And I'm just, I, I truly am, truly am grateful. As I am to you for joining me on the journey. And now look at you to amplify in your message out into the world, all fiery, like <laughs> with sex in it. <laughs> <laughs> get my little belly dance moving. <laughs> <laughs> all right soul sister guys i really do hope you reach out to lisa she is like divinity in the female body like truly and uh we will talk next transformation tuesday thanks for everybody listening going on this journey with us as well yeah. see ya <laughs>